You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. All right, guys, um, online audience, welcome. And we should have those questions for you online, but um, we won't jump into those questions right away. We will... um, give a background, which they will be doing. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking. We'll be reading through uh, Luke chapter 15. Uh, my name is Francel Esquivel. I'm the family pastor here and um, do all kinds of different stuff. But uh, uh, we have Gabe on my right. He's our Spanish pastor. We have Brian Bautista here on my left, and he's uh, one of the youth leaders here, does worship as well. And we have Mead, our worship pastor. So uh, you guys want to say hello? Hi, everybody. It's good to be here tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this. Let's, let's, um, uh, I'll refer back to the questions or you guys know your questions and, um, let's, let's get into this, uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. Um, let me see here. Which one of you guys made questions on that? I think, I think you I did, had the first couple of questions okay. here. So why don't, you, uh, why don't you read the first seven verses, and then uh, we'll get into that and break that down. All right. Luke chapter 15. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them the story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So, Gabe, um, why don't you go over a few of your questions that would pertain to this portion of this, and we could we could kick it around here with us. Sure. Well, I was thinking about uh, as Lance was sharing this last week, and uh, I was thinking about this and how this value that the shepherd saw in that in that one sheep it was just of such great value. And I was thinking about things that are valuable to us. Things that we find, you know, great value in. And I was remembering back when, when I was um, newly married, back almost 18 years ago. And I, uh, suddenly my wife calls out that we had a washer and dryer in the garage and the, wa- the basin was overflowing. She called me, oh, the water basin. So I ran over there trying to fix it. And I pulled my hand out of a bunch of water and I shook my fist to dry off. And I hear this ping. And I was like, what? It was my ring. My wedding ring had flown off my finger and hit something in the garage, and then nothing. And I looked and looked and looked. I mean, truth be told, my wedding band wasn't worth a whole lot, but it, it you know, obviously the sentimental value. And 
I remember looking and looking and couldn't find it anywhere. And I looked forever. And I remember months later doing some gardening and grabbing a bag of soil. And there it is, right in the bag of soil. It had, I guess the bag was open. It popped off my finger and right into the soil after it hit the cement. And how excited I was. I went into the, I went into the house, showed it off to my wife. We were thrilled because we had just thought it was lost. And so my first question uh, was, to what extent have you gone to find something of great value, like a material object that has been lost? And the reason I was thinking about that is because if something material like that is of such great value, it gets us thinking when we read this parable, when Jesus talks about the value of this lost sheep, the value of these uh, sinful people, the value of the, of the um, tax collectors and other sinners that he was dining with, because he saw such great value in them that others, particularly the religious people, were not seeing value in. But this, these people, and like the shepherd here, were of such great value. That shepherd, typically shepherds have a, uh, a lot of times that they have about 100 sheep. And so once they're, you know, getting, gathering the sheep, collecting them all for the, for the evening, and they see one is missing, they'll go and they'll find the other sheep. Because they value, they, have, they put value in that sheep who they know is helpless. And so what value Jesus has in us. And so if I can think about something so valuable to me uh, as, a, as a ring, uh, how much more when I think about uh, Jesus' love for me and the value he puts in me and the value he puts for the loss. And if I'm to be an imitator of Christ, uh, how much is a lost soul worth to me? What kind of value am I putting on a lost soul? You know, uh, that word rejoice, I, I was reading some commentator, and he talked about that word rejoice. It, it, it carries this principle that um, that y- you can't do it by yourself. There, there's so much joy, the word used here in this verse, that there's so much joy that it has to be bared it has to be a burden almost that somebody else would have with you. That much, that's how much joy that, that, that God's talking about, that I can't hold in the joy. It needs, I, I need to call someone. How many of us, when, when we have a loved one that has come to know the Lord, don't we call our friends? Don't we like, tell our, our closest loved ones, hey, guess what just happened? Even when it's someone we don't know, you know, when we, you know, here being up here at, and when we used to have, and hopefully we'll, we'll start it up again, but when we used to have prayer up front, you know, I, 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 would, I couldn't wait to tell, hey, I, I led someone to the Lord today. That was amazing. You know, I didn't keep it into myself. I, 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 I couldn't. I had to tell someone what God was doing at that moment, and that—that's what it's—that's what he's talking about, and it's the very opposite of what these Pharisees and scribes are doing. You know that it, Jesus is showing them that that the contrast of their hearts to his heart, and you know, isn't it funny? We look at him, and these people, the Pharisees and the scribes, they actually repelled people like this, but Jesus attracted people like this they they were they were attracted to jesus they had they had um 
they wanted to. It says that. It, it says that they, they heard and they drew near to him. They wanted to hear him. But these Pharisees, they, they, they were probably fearful to get anywhere near them. They were going to be judged. They were going to be looked down on. They were going to, there, there wasn't going to be any compassion showed to them. You know, Lance gave the examples of John 4 and in John 7, you know, the, the Samaritan woman, you know, that um, that's how Jesus would look at a sinner. That's how he would treat a sinner. And again, he, he's very comfortable with them, not because he himself is a sinner, but because he has a goal in mind. He has, he wants to bring the loss, and he, and he, he talks about that here, you know, and um, going after that one, we were, we were um, again, at a working ranch this week, and um, the, the ranch that we were on, you know, we, it, it, it was quite a large ranch, and um, the rancher that, that was there, you know, every day he, he would go by, and, he, he, and I jumped in the, uh, the ranger with him one day and just kind of did his rounds, and he, he was going around looking for every cow he had. He, 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 he knew them by the number. They're numbered. And he, he would tell me of their characteristics. Well, this one's this. This one's that. And, um, oh, we got to find this one. And he, he goes, hey, take a picture. I've been trying to get a picture of that one. Look how, look, 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 look at the unique face he has. You know, he knew every one of these cows. And he knew the demeanor of the cow. And it was, it was, it was quite funny because um, we just got in his ranger really fast, and he forgot to bring uh, grain. And they're used to ha- having grain. And they actually were screaming at him. They, it, they, they, he got there, and they came, they came to the ranger, and they saw that there's nothing in the buckets, and they're all screaming. But they, they, they were used to him feeding them. They were used to him being compassionate with them. And, uh, and he's, look, look, they're mad, and they were. And they didn't do anything violent or anything like that, but they were upset at him because it wasn't his nature to not bring them something, to not love on them. And, you know, this is what he's talking about here, this nature, this compassion of Jesus towards these sinners that, that they were drawn to him. He came around the corner. You know, we, we would go and jump in the range or be by ourselves, they weren't drawn to us. But they were drawn to him. They knew he had something for them. And these tax collectors were drawn, these sinners were drawn to Jesus because he had something for them. These Pharisees had nothing but condemnation and judgment towards them. So um, you guys want to comment on any of these? On, on this portion, Brian, Mead? Yeah, you know, I was, I was looking at um, Ezekiel 34. And in that passage, just um, as I was looking at it, I could see very much the same thing that you were just talking about right now, where the heart of God and looking at his sheep of desiring to feed them, of desiring to draw them near to him and to watch over them. And those that would flee and would uh, be gone, his attempt and his desire to pursue them and to, to draw them near to him. But in Ezekiel 34, what you find is 
God bringing condemnation on these shepherds that um, were not doing so, that they were not feeding God's people. They were not taking care of um, the people the way he desired. And the contrast of that, he begins to share about himself being this good shepherd that longs and cares for his people. And one of the verses in verse 11, um, he says this, For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out as a shepherd uh, of his flock on the day that he is among his scattered sheep. So I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all places where they are scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Uh, A little bit further down in verse 16, it says, And I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away and bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. And so just this heart, the same heart that God would declare even in the Old Testament saying, I am this good shepherd that longs to draw my people to myself. And I will go to the distance, whatever it takes to reach out this heart that I'm longing to bring back into the fold of my family. And so just thinking along those lines of the Pharisees being these religious leaders um, that you would assume would be those that were feeding and building the people up in their self-righteousness, they were actually condemning those that were in need. And the same heart you see here with Jesus saying, I'm here to draw these people in as these sheep that have gone astray. And so it's just thinking along those lines. And what they were, you know, they were basically trying to feed themselves, these Pharisees, and becoming more self-righteous and thinking that they were more spiritual for having this attitude, which is, which is so ironic and such a contrast, thinking that these uh, lost sinners were too immoral to be reached by God. So, so they were despised by the, by the Pharisees. And Jesus has the complete opposite attitude uh, as them and, and shows that in the uh, Ezekiel 34 and then over here too, which is pretty incredible, the difference. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, John chapter 10. Um, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and he contrasts himself with a hireling. And he says in verse 11 of chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But then he says of himself, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. And then he says uh, in verse 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And, and Jesus right there is talking about um, Gentiles, you and I, that he desires to bring in, and I'm so glad that he does. Um, but, you know, you can get a sense here of, of just the different picture of a shepherd who, who loves the sheep and, as Lance was talking about, desires to protect and to feed and to nourish. Um, and, and a hireling who's just in it for himself, like you were talking about, Gabe, um, is only going to care about him or herself. And, and when something happens, they flee because, you know, they're not invested in the sheep. And, you know, it made me think, as Lance was teaching, and, you know, am I, um, am I a shepherd in the sense of do I care about souls? Am I interested in souls? You know, Lance even said, do I see the potential in, in a soul, uh, someone that would be deemed as an outcast or untouchable, undesirable? Um, or 
in my life that hireling and, and um, you know, it's such a dangerous place to be when we're not seeing souls, but maybe people and using people to, to build ourselves up. And I thought, you know, what leads to that? And I think, um, I think one of the questions you had, Brian, and I, I don't want to get ahead of us, but, you know, have we lost sight of what God has done on our behalf? Have we lost sight of God's grace and how it has so touched us? And have we become so arrogant uh, that we forget that we were unlovable <laughs> and we haven't done anything to deserve God's love, but he loves us. <clears throat> you know, um, again, th- this is so vivid to me because, again, I was on the ranch and this rancher, um, he's not a hireling. <laughs> he wasn't a hireling. It was his ranch and he was the first one up and the last one to go to bed. And um, he actually loved spending time with his animals and um we get there and and you know we say our hellos and the first thing he says to us after we say hellos he just says listen to me everyone he says the number one rule on the ranch is if you go through a gate you close it i don't want to lose any of my animals and that, that was the first thing out of his mouth. He didn't want to lose any of his animals. He didn't. He would. He would go find them. And he does. And, but he, he cared about them. And, you know, and, it, and it's, it, it's funny. We talk about value. And, um, again, it's just so vivid. There's, there's a lot of um, dairy farms around him that um, the, the, the dairy cows, the, 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 I guess they don't make good mothers. And so they have these cows, and and um, but some of them, because they don't make good mothers, they 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 the the mom will wean the baby before it's ready. And so the the farmers, the the dairy farmers, don't want those babies because it's a liability to them. It takes too much time to clean them. But this rancher that we were with, he sees value in that, and he says, "We'll take them. We'll take any any." calf that's 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 been orphaned and we will wake up every two hours and feed it and um that was actually one of the highlights of our trip is we were able to 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 feed these baby calves and you could see that and this is you know now those baby calves are 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 cry babies (laughs) they um they, they they they're actually um very uh stingy you know they 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 don't want the other one they want to get the other one's food they fight and it's just such a good picture of who we are as well when we're lost we there's nothing mature about us but yet jesus sees the potential this rancher sees the potential and is willing to do the work and jesus sees the potential in us you know and he saw that and and just like you said do we see that potential in others? Or do, or, or do we look at them like the Pharisees? Do we look down on people? Do we say, hey, you know, I, I'm not there no more. You know, are, are, are we unwilling to go to where we were and, and, and help people, uh, bring people up to, um, to know the Lord? And, and, and that's a hard question, you know, because... Um, sometimes we do like, oh, we, we look at that sin like, oh, I'm staying away from that. But 
but we, we sometimes you look at that towards the sinner and, and we have that attitude towards I don't want to be around that. I don't want my family to be around that. And that's okay, but how do we how do we creatively bring a sinner to want to hear the word of God? Well, we 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 can't do it by being in church 24/7. You know, we have to do it. He was he was willing, you know, the, the church is the body. He was willing to bring it wherever he was and um what a heart of compassion what a heart of love um for the lost why don't we go into verses 8 through 10 brian you want to read that Uh, verse 8 says or what woman having 10 silver coins if she loses one coin does not light a lamp sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it And when she has found it, she calls her friend and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which was lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So here again, this is, I I think this is the question that Gabe had, or the illustration about his ring. You know, this, they're all three about lost, and they're all three about how important they are, all three of these parables. But here, I think the emphasis is on, on value. You know, what value do we see someone that, that's lost? Do, did I see myself as valuable? Well, God did. God did. And, um, you know, the, the question, you know, that we could bring into here, you know, 99, well, why do I need to go after the other one? That's fine. I have enough. Nine silver coins, I have enough. Who cares? But that's not God's heart. You know, in, in 2 Peter 3, it says that, that it is heart. That all, all. I love that, that God, in that sense, is stingy. <laughs> he, I, I'm really glad. You know, all come to repentance. That's what he came to die for. He didn't come to die for 99. He didn't come to die for nine coins. He came to to die for the complete package. Um, and, and I love that about him. I know that when one of the, I think the first one that we did, you know, Jay broke down about, you know, the, the seeds and, and, and how, how God was, um, when he talks about, you know, God didn't just say, hey, I'm only going to put it on the good ground. I'm putting it everywhere. Because I want and I have hope that one day, that soil, whether it's rock or not, it's going to be fertilized and come up. And I am thankful that we have a God. So anyone of you guys want to jump in and talk about value of a soul? Well, I think that if the way the Lord sees the value in each of us, like we've been talking about how what he has done and how much he cared and how much he, he, you know, when he, he was criticized heavily by the Pharisees and others for spending time with these people, but it's because of his heart of compassion. Cause he saw the value in them. He saw the potential in them. He saw what they could be and he saw their suffering. And he, it's like, I love you too much to allow you to remain in that state. And that's the heart of God. It's, you know, it came to seek and save the lost. And so if, if that's the kind of value 
that the Lord sees and the kind of value that the Lord saw in us. Well, if I have the eyes of Christ and I'm looking at value, trying to look at value the way Jesus looks at value, then it's going to be allow me to step out of my comfort zone a little bit more. I think that was one of the questions uh, about how willing you are to step out of your comfort zone to, to seek out the lost person, to spend that time. Like you were saying, Francel, you know, I don't really want to be around that person or I don't want them to be around my family or maybe they're a bad influence or you know, they just, they're really bugging me with how they act or how they are. But seeing them the way Jesus sees the value in them, that helps us to see past those things and it also gives us a heart to pray for them and to pray that the Lord will begin to do a work and a change in their heart. And Jesus was so relational with these, with these people and they, they loved him for it. He genuinely, they could feel his care for them and his love for them. And so it's not like a homework assignment. Like I'm going to go spend time with that person and tell them about Jesus or, you know, give them a couple verses and then I'm out of there. That's not a compassionate heart. Or a, a compassionate heart will be relational and will be wanting to, desiring to, to, uh, to make those connections because those connections are, are going to be what's going to awaken something in that person to say there's something more that I don't have that I want. You know, the more time I have spent with Jesus, and we're going to get into that in the parable of the lost son, not sin, but the, the more comfortable I get around sinners. I, I, I have really felt that. I really felt this comfortable, like, it's this confidence in the Lord. Like, that person cannot affect me. And I actually am eager to affect that person. And I actually enjoy it. Now, I... I still cringe when I hear them say things. But that doesn't persuade me not to be around them. That doesn't dissuade me. To, to, that doesn't encourage me. Oh, I'm, I'm leaving, you know. And, and I don't even correct them. And I'm not comfortable with the sin, but I'm learning how to be comfortable with the sinner, you know, because, because I know that God wants to reach them. And that hasn't always been the case. There, there really has been a time where you feel like, hey, I need to protect what I have. I need to protect my wife, my kids. And, and, and I'm not saying, hey, let's go, let's go out there and, and throw these, you know, I'm not taking my kids to a, to a bar or anything like that, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm, I'm, what I'm talking about is when, when the Lord orchestrates something where we're, we're, we're around non-believers. I'm comfortable with that, and I'm actually enjoying it because I'm looking for opportunities to show God's love. And that, that's been a blessing, just the fact that I, I'm starting to understand the value of a soul and getting that heart that Jesus is trying to explain here to the Pharisees. So, um, you guys, you, you guys um, feel that? You know, I know um, I do miss being around 
non-believers on a on a nine to five basis. I I, I do because it challenges me, and I I I had a daily challenge, and you know I I love being here, and I love the fact that non-believers come here on Sundays and Wednesdays. But I do. I remember driving into work and. and and having specific prayers for specific people and, and goals and just like, ah, I'm going to, even if it was like, I'm going to get that person to say hi back. <laughs> that simple of a goal. But it was to share the love of God. And and God was giving me that heart for a loss. and and uh, But that doesn't happen outside of spending time with the Lord. So... Um, why don't we jump in? Because I think there's a lot of meat in in the parable of the lost son, the, the prodigal son. And um, Mead, do you want to read verses 11 through uh, 16? Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So here, I, you know, Lance had some good questions, and I kind of want to go over that. You know, this this son. You know, how do we get to a point? Um, this son had so much living with the father, and obviously, this, the father is is a picture of God. How do we get to the point where? We have an appetite for the world. We 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 now are 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 not satisfied with what the Father has. How, how does that happen in our lives? Yeah, I think when we talk about losing an appetite for the things of God. Um, it's normally because something else has taken the place of God. And so normally um, there's times where I come home from work and my wife would say, hey, what do you want for dinner? You want this? And I'm saying, no, I'm good. And her first immediate question is, what did you eat? I said, what do you mean? And she's like, I know you ate something and that's why you're not hungry. And so even within that, there's an understanding that my wife has that if, you're, if you don't have an appetite for what I'm going to make for dinner, the reason is because something else has already filled your stomach. And so even within that, in the context of uh, spiritual speaking, it's the same thing where my appetite for the things of God, my appetite for the word of God, for spending time with him, when those things begin to be um, filled with other things, appetite for um, even hobbies can take the place at time, but sinful things, maybe even things that are just uh, practical things, but they get they become priority of my life rather than spending time with God. Little by little, these things can begin to begin to fulfill me in a certain point and begin to fill what I'm longing for at that moment. 
And little by little, my appetite for the things of God begin to be less and less and less to all of a sudden, I'm no longer craving the things of God, but now I'm craving the things of a faraway land, even as here we see with the prodigal son of craving something other than what his father was providing for him in that moment. You know, I have two sons, love them, hard workers. Um, but here, as as a father of, of men, um, they're 27 and 28, um, I could see, Lance talked about how disrespectful this is. They're asking, he, he's like, now nah, I'm going to leave. And, and he, he, this, this son is not manning up and saying, I'm going to go live my life. He's saying, and it shows the compassion of God. He says, you give me my portion. Give me my inheritance. Give me, give me something that you worked for so I could go live this wasteful life. And that's like, when he said that, I just think, how disrespectful, how disrespectful this guy, he, 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 he wanted to, the father to give out of what the father worked for, for him to go live this life. He wanted the father to, to fund his fun. And, um, you know, as, as an earthly dad, I'm like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and move out. But, um, <laughs> I ain't giving you nothing, but the Father's love is different. The Father's love, and you know, this is where you know Lance talked about Romans two four. It is the goodness and kindness of God that leads to repentance. That um, that He's going to remember later on in this parable. Go ahead, Gabe. Well, I think uh, kind of what Brian was saying about having an appetite for other things, he had made a conscious decision to disconnect himself from what he knew was the way things were with his father, the way, you know, the inheritance is generally at the end of the father's life or when the father has, has passed away and, and he was, you know, had, there were two brothers, so he gets a third and his older brother gets two-thirds of the inheritance. And he had disconnected himself with that plan. He wanted something more. He had filled himself with well, I think I deserve this. There's, I, think, I think along with that disrespect comes a sense of entitlement that we can develop where this confidence in ourselves, well, I should have this because I am this or that. And so then we make those demands of God. I want this and I want it now. And like you said, I haven't worked for it, but this is what I want. And you know, I think I deserve it when really the father was already giving him what he didn't deserve, what he didn't work for, and he didn't appreciate that. Yeah, um, he, he, he now is going to go into the portion, um, again, we're still in 11 through 16, where it says that, you know, he went and spent it all in prodigal living and wasteful living. And um, some of the commentators talk about, you know, because this is, there's a lot of good songs actually about this, because it's such a beautiful uh, parable of, of the, the love of the Father, but... Um, it talks about, you know, fornication and, 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 and lust and all these different things of the world that it's all included in this prodigal living. It wasn't just he went out and spent his money and 
got a bunch of toys. No, it was it was wasteful living in, in its totality totality. But he um he spent all and and you know and it it's funny that, that God waited, you know, even in this in this parable that waited until he spent it all and then the famine hit. <laughs> God was like, you know, uh, okay, then I'm going to make it worse for you, you know, and um, a lot of people don't think this is the love of God, but, you know, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, where it tells us that, that you would, someone in sin, in willful sin, it says put them out. And that's the love of God because it tells you why to put them out. It tells you put them out for the destruction of their flesh, but their salvation of their soul. And this is what he's talking about. Okay, that flesh needs to die. That flesh needs to be done. All that money he had needed to be spent. And he still wasn't at the end of himself. He, he still didn't say, let me go back. He's like, I'm going to go and, and, and join myself with a citizen. And again, to the point where he, he was feeding swine and um you know, we, we look at pigs, and, and again, I was on a ranch, and you think they're cute, but, um, you know, and they, they're kind of funny looking and cute, you know, and they, they make noise, but to, to, a, to a, a Jew, this was disgusting. It, it, it was, it, this, the, the law talked about not to even be around swine, and, and he, he's now there, and it's almost like, I thought about this in our culture, and I feel that when I, you know, Mead, when he sees a bug, right? I, I feel that when I see a rat or a mouse, I almost feel violated. Even if it's not, you know, it's, it's in the yard. It, I, I'm disgusted. Like, that dirty animal is going to come and bring some disease. That's, that's how I feel, and that's how they felt. And... I would have to, you know, to get this to this low, hey, I'm going to go feed someone's rats. And, I, I'm, and not only am I going to feed them, I'm going to eat what they're eating. And, and again, I was at a, a, a ranch and they had pigs and, you know, they are cute, but they're kind of dirty. They're real dirty. We fed them everything that was left over and they ate it. They ate. We had bacon left over. I don't know how we had bacon left over, but they ate, we had pork chops. They ate the pork chops. We had marshmallows. We had Twizzlers. We had eggshells. We had, you know, watermelon rinds. They ate it all, and they ate it in mud. And they didn't care. And why, why are pigs in mud? Because... They don't know how to drink, and so they just like, and they're okay laying in the mud, and you could you could clean the mud, and they'll make more mud. <laughs> and they were okay, and he was that low. He he got he had to hit the very bottom, and this is where Lance talked about. He had to hit his pig pen. And when we pray for that, that's not like we talk about. That's not a bad prayer to pray when someone's out there. When we have a prodigal whether it be a child or whether it be a loved one, would be a co- whoever, let's pray that they would hit their pig pen. And what that means is they're lowest to the point where they're, they're done. They're done, 
And they, they're going to get to a point where they're going to look to God. And, you know, and then um, we'll wrap it up here in, in verses. Um, I'll read verses 17 through, I think, like 24. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he still, when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on, put it on him and Put a ring on his hand and the sandals of his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is still alive. He was lost and now is found and they began to be merry. I get chills reading that and I think about <laughs> the song by what, what, what Keith Green, the, the prodigal son, and just thinking about, you know, again, here in verse 17, it says, you know, he, he, he came to himself. And that God doesn't see us in the state of our sin. And he, here he sees us in our right mind when we're coming to him. And I love that. And, and we could look at loved ones. We could look at um, co anybody that's not saved or, or, or even someone that's saved and walked away. They're not in their right mind. They have, they have been drawn away by something else. They have had an appetite. They've been eating something else, and they've been drawn away. And, and that's why we pray for their pig pen experience, that they might come to themselves. And the father, you know, I love, um, I love the picture of the father. You know, we, I think this along with in Revelation where it says that, that God stands at the door and knocks, I don't think that's a complete picture of who God is. You know, we always talk about God's a complete gentleman and he, he won't break the door down, but you crack it and he's jumping in. You crack that door. He's not walking slowly. He's running in and embracing us. And I, I think these two things bring a true picture of the love of God. Yes, he will not. The, he didn't go after the son. Yeah. He waited and probably prayed every day. But the minute he saw him coming back, he ran. And I love that picture of the father. So... Any, anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, I would just, if you look at the first two parables, these are objects that, you know, the, or, or animals, the sheep and the coin, where uh, the shepherd or the, the woman are going after 
and seeking until they find, which gives us that heart of God who is persistent, who seeks to save. And then you get this heart here where the father allowed the son to go through whatever he had to go through, to come to the end of himself and to see the condition he was in and see himself for who he was. Because that's a big part of repentance. You have to see yourself for who you are and then decide because we have a will to come home to the Father. And that's exactly what the Son did. And the Father was waiting and ready to accept him uh, right there and, and celebrate. And again, like all the, like the other three, joy. There was absolute joy in the, the loss that was now found. Yeah, I think, too, that, um, you know, the Son had an incorrect perspective of his Father. Um, he anticipated a certain response that his father was, was going to be upset. Um, he was going to punish him, be heavy-handed. Um, he was ready for his father to make him as one of his hired servants. And uh, that was not the case. You know, we, as, we, as you read, the father embraced him, like you guys are saying, with open arms. Um, and, you know, that's, that's what the Lord does with us. And, you know, if we have that view of God where he's, he's a punisher... <laughs> He's, he's going to write me off. He's going to condemn me. Um, that's going to affect how we see and view and treat others as well. Um, you know, we all have that um, tendency that, you know, we, we, can, we can do that. We can do that with relatives. We all have relatives that we feel are, uh, are unlovable or unsavable. They're beyond the reach of God. And I'm so glad that God is the God of second chances, third and fourth chances and um, that he's never written me off. But when I've strayed and I've come back, um, he's accepted me. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading in Hosea, and Hosea uh, was called to marry a certain woman named Gomer. And, and Gomer had left um, her husband, Hosea, and um, began to live a life of prostitution. And God said, you know, go buy her back. And... Um, Hosea goes and 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 and, and purchases her back, and um, the 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 whole story is an illustration of of God's love for the nation of Israel. That no matter how unfaithful Israel's been, um, He's always ready to welcome uh, the nation back, and and the same with us. And so, um, just a beautiful story of reconciliation, of love, uh, and. Um, you know, may we uh, remember that that God is God is a gracious God. He's a loving God and a forgiving God, and and um, He's never done with anybody. You know, I think of a, a guy, Francel, that's been coming around for years, um, and uh, he's been coming around our church. And ninety five percent of the time, um, he's been high, and every once in a while, he'll come and he'll be in his right mind. But there's always been a part of me where he's like, where I've been like, that, that guy doesn't have a chance. He's not going to make it. He's never going to do it. And now this guy is around and he's actually volunteering and he's helping and he's cleaning toilets and um, he's attending uh, church service every Sunday and Wednesday. And, um, and we love him. And, and just an incredible picture of you know, we've been talking all night about uh, how God values every soul and sees the potential in every soul. And, and may we um, never be those that just write people off and just the jury's out, the verdict's in, and it's over.
You know, I, I love that you pointed that out because that's the the what what I love about is that you pointed out how the view was wrong. And when we do have an appetite for the world and then jump into it, it skews our view of God. How many people have we seen that they come back, they come back like that, but their view is wrong? Oh, you guys, I didn't think you would accept me. I didn't think the Lord would accept you. You guys have been thinking this and been saying this, and you're like, what are you talking about? We've been praying for you. But that's a great picture of this is what happens. It your, your mind just gets messed up. And even though he repented, and even though he went to God, and even though he, his entitlement was gone, he needed, he needed more time to understand the love of God. He needed teaching. He needed to see things in action. And, and I think this is a really good picture, the more we dig into it, of what happens. And so um, it's just been good to dig into this and, and see that and see God's heart for the loss. And prayerfully, we have it. And we hopefully we'll have those questions available for you guys. We didn't have time to get into all those questions, but um, I want to end by kind of the same way when we, the three of us were here because I believe the lost is, is saved, that walked away, and unsaved. And so um, we're going to start with Gabe again. And Gabe is going to uh, give a challenge and pray for those that have walked with the Lord and known the Lord but have walked away. So he's going to pray. He's going to give you a challenge and pray, and then we're going to have Brian. And Brian is going to uh, give a challenge and a prayer, lead you in a prayer for those that have never accepted the Lord and would like to tonight to be found. And the three words that, that, I, that, that we talked about is the lost, the found, and rejoice. And so the angels in heaven will rejoice both for those that have came back to the Lord and those that would come back for the come to the first time and that you would be you would come to yourself your true self that God sees a saved soul. So uh, why don't we start with you Gabe? All right, well those who have known the Lord and uh maybe have struggled and have walked away, have uh, been uh, just doubting and perhaps underestimated or lost sight of who God is and the value uh, that he has for you. Uh, I would like to challenge you to just really have some open conversations with him so that he can reveal to you just how much you're valued. This son here even underestimated his father's forgiveness for him. And the father brought him back on, not as a hireling like me said, but as a son. And that's what the father desires to do to you. There is nothing that you as a Christian have done that is going to uh, prevent the father from welcoming you back with open arms. So I challenge you to just seek him with your heart. Remember what he did for you and remember how much he loves and values you. And let me just pray for you. Lord, uh, thank you for this night and i thank you lord for 
your salvation. I thank you, Lord, for those who have experienced that, Lord, but through uh, circumstances or the trials of life, Lord, have, let, have allowed themselves to stray from you, Lord, and have lost sight of who you are, Lord. I pray that you touch them, Lord. Remind them of who you are. Remind them of their great value, how much you love them, how your compassion for them is great, and how you would love to see them restored and made whole. And, Father, I pray that you do that, that they seek you with their heart, Lord, and that you respond to a heavy heart, Lord, and that they may be joyful once again as a child of God that has returned from a place of hopelessness to a place of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, and I'd like to uh, encourage those maybe that are listening that maybe you've never come to the place where you've given your life over to God. And as you've heard about the story of the prodigal son, maybe that began to strike a chord to feel maybe I feel like this prodigal. I feel that I've been in a place where it feels like a pig pen where it feels like I'm running in circles, where it feels like I am so far away from God. And as we've seen the story of God's grace and God's love and his compassion to go above and beyond any failure and mistake and to reach out to his son, I would encourage you to reach out to God here and now. Because what you find here. In one of the verses, you begin to see this transformation within this man. He begins to say in verse 18, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned. He begins to confess that I am a sinner. I have done wrong. He begins to say, I am unworthy to be called your son. He begins to turn from his sin and say, I am going to go back to the house of God, to the house of my father. And so I encourage you, even here as this man, maybe you've felt like you're in that place, that today, here and now, would be the time where you say, I will turn back to run to the house of my father. And so as we close off tonight in prayer, I'm going to ask you guys, if that's you, and maybe you felt the tug of the Lord upon your life and your heart even now, that you would repeat this prayer with me and welcome God within your heart and, and call out to him in forgiveness that he would welcome you with open arms back into his loving arms. And so if you would pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love for me. I pray for forgiveness for all of my sins, for my heart that has gone so far from you, from a life that has been lived without concern of you, God. I now confess these things before you. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I pray that you would wash me, cleanse me by your blood, and that you would welcome me with open arms into your family. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, church family, for joining us uh, tonight. We hope that uh, this discussion was a blessing to you.
And uh, we want to invite you uh, out to our Sunday morning service. Uh, we are currently going through uh, the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 4 uh, this Sunday. And, uh, and also, uh, as you saw in one of our video announcements earlier today, uh, we have our vacation Bible school coming up. And that'll be July 26th through the 30th. And uh, you can sign up your child. If your child's entering kindergarten through sixth grade, you can go online or our church app and register your kids. And if you'd like to help that week, um, it is such a blast um, just seeing uh, families and kids here all week and just a chance to, to serve them, to bless them, and to love on them, and to see God work in these kids' lives. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you can go online or our church app and sign up. And um, we'd love to see you there that week. Uh, but God bless you guys. Have a great night. And we'll see you.